I think people will only project to you what their versions of reality and happiness and success are. And it's on you to take that or imitate it or be influenced by it or to really figure out your own. Figuring out your own is a little bit difficult because you stumble a lot on the way, but it's very much worthwhile. I was born with several causes. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host and I'm excited about today's topic because it's something super close to my heart and that is doing work that brings you happiness, that you enjoy, that you feel called to do. And you may be thinking, Heather, work is supposed to be work. You just go in, you slave away, and you make money because baby's got to eat. And you know what? I understand that. I mean, work is not always going to just be the thrill of your life. You're going to get frustrated with it at times. Heaven knows I do. But it's amazing how many people out there are just spending years and years in their life doing something they don't like at all because they feel trapped. And a huge part of this show, I want to promote the idea of going the unconventional path. Sometimes the scary path, sometimes the path that doesn't make sense because we're willing to listen to those little hints that the universe is giving us and paying really close attention to what our intuition is saying and what brings us joy in life. We have an incredible guest today with just the most beautiful energy, so much fun. Jeannie Saraswati, who is an award-winning journalist. She's a podcast host of The Jeannie Show, and she also owns a media company, Jeannie Media, where she serves entrepreneurs, celebrities, and influential organizations around the world. And we have a beautiful conversation about how she has followed happiness in her career pursuits and really paid attention to what's brought her joy. And it took a lot of work and she shares about that, but it's just a really important conversation to have. And on the side, we also talk a little bit about how to be a better interviewer, listening to people and all that good stuff. For those of you who are show hosts yourself, I know I loved that part of it. But before we get started, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, would you hit that subscribe button? Pretty please. And if you've listened to two, three, four episodes, if you have not left a review yet, I'm going to ask you to please take just a second on your Apple podcasting app. It's purple. Look at that purple icon on there. You didn't know it was there, did you? Hit that purple icon. (laughs) Go over. Leave our show an honest review. Would love to hear your thoughts. All right, guys, let's get into this beautiful conversation with Jeannie Saraswati. Heather, I love the title of your podcast, The Unconventional Leader. It's like you're you're a leader of this rebel cult of entrepreneurs and CEOs. It's amazing. You know what's so funny is like I've I've always been like a rule follower in the sense of I've always struggled kind of going against what other people want me to do. And we're just gonna go in deep. Here you go. You're gonna get to know me real fast. But and I knew that came from a sense of worth. Like I needed worth and love and approval from people. And I really started to realize that my actions weren't mine. And a lot of the things I were doing was not mine because ultimately, wow, I'm just going so deep with you. 
you should be a therapist. Um, (laughs) Ultimately, you know, we've got to do, we've got to lead in our own way and we've got to follow the calling on our hearts. So we're going to be absolutely miserable. And so the whole point of this show is to help people kind of come out of hiding, be who they were created to be, be creative and use their voice. And that's why I love what you're doing is because you've taken unconventional path after unconventional path and you've killed it. You've been doing just some incredible work. Um, I'm not going to tell your story for you, but you, you came out of, your, your college career thinking you were going to go one way and you ended up doing something a little bit different. So can you share with us a little bit about what, what your journey has been like? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so I'm originally from Sri Lanka, which is an island off the coast of India. And unfortunately it's been in the news recently for the terrorist attacks that's happened mm. in the Catholic churches. So, um, so I was born there. Oh, that's yeah, where you were born. I, that's where I was born. They were actually one of the churches that was I don't want to, I think it was bombed. I don't want to, I don't like to read too much of the news because it's, it's quite upsetting sometimes. So I, I try not to read it, but one of the churches that was attacked or whatnot, my mother used to actually go there and she bought rosaries for I'm my so sister. Sorry. Oh no, that that's totally, that's, that's obviously, it's unfortunate. It's, it's, it's yeah. but it's it, well, one of those times when I was living there, it was the civil war was starting up. Um, when I was born in the first two years of my life. So my parents thought, okay, how can we give our daughters a better chance of life? So we moved to Australia and that civil war. What age? Went when you, sorry, what was that? What, what age was that? I was two when we left Sri have Lanka. You been so back? I, was, I have been back once. I haven't been back again. Um, but Sri Lanka is, it's still my motherland, but because I grew up in Australia, I see a lot of my values colored by Australian okay. culture. So when I moved over, yeah, and the accent as well. And I think moving over as well, um, I realized, and immigrant families as well, it's not just uh, Sri Lankans, but I think when immigrant families move to a Western country, the expectation is you choose the path that has been conventionally conventionally proven to be successful. So Mm -hmm. careers like your engineer, your doctor, your lawyer, which prove hard work equals this, equals right. this money, equals this stability. I didn't resonate with that in some level. I think it was because my mother was a bank manager. My dad was a clerk. My sister is also a bank manager now. I didn't, I'm not very good at math. I actually am terrible at math. So that was probably the first thing. The second I'm sure I loved kids and I loved helping people. So I thought, oh, maybe out of the careers or the career options that I have, a doctor is that what I'm going to be because that has the element of serving and right. the element of helping people to some extent or, you know, making people's lives better than they were when they came to see you. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. Then by eighth grade, I realized I hated science. So that wasn't going to be an option. <laughs> so I'm like, what am I going to do? Because no one else had, had I, that I'd known in my family had pursued a creative path. And I'm from a pretty big family. Like my mum is one of 10, um, seven siblings moved from Sri Lanka to Australia. So I have about 32 first cousins. I make a joke saying I have 170. It probably is true because I meet a second, third, fourth cousin anytime I went to a party. So um, what happened was, yeah, so I, I didn't have an example of an unconventional path or a creative path. Mm-hmm. So it, it took me a while to really find my feet about that. Mm-hmm. So I guess in a nutshell, it was a combination of, you know, kind of breaking out of the mold that's set for you and breaking out of, you know, what you kind of imitate from the parents and what you were talking about originally, Heather, about that seeking approval. I think as humans, we really want that because that yeah. sense of belonging or that sense of acceptance. Yeah. I think humans are very likely to want to be seen to agree with a group than stand up on their own 
mm. with an opposing belief. And that's just how we're made because we're creatures of community. Yeah. I'm going on a, a tangent here, but I oh, think, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I think um, that's, that's, I, I realize also I was doing a little bit of uh, reflecting the past few months on why I am the way that I am. And I think because I, my mother, even though she had her flaws of faults, she loved me unconditionally. And I think mm. that for me was a safe enough net to kind of yeah. go out and do my thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that gave me the bravery and whatever I experienced as a child, um, what, what I also, you know, bounced back from that. I think that combined with my mother's love and, you know, her always being there for, for, for me and us, it allowed me to kind of go out and we were like, all right, I'll be fine. Because she had this faith in her that was just amazing. So yeah. I don't know if that, I think I went on a whole tangent there. No, I mean, <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, my my career before this was uh, therapy and that's what they taught therapists is that people need in order to branch out and to do the things that they feel called, what I say called to do, they have to have that sense of belonging. And sometimes, unfortunately, sometimes therapists are what people go to to get that grounding because they have that unconditional or supposed to unconditional acceptance and love, which is ultimately what we all want. So yeah. you ended up in university to study journalism. Is that well, right? I studied creative arts. So journalism was an element of that. Okay. Um, and that's how, the, how I kind of got into Joy, which is the radio station that I was on. So creative arts involved a lot of writing and a lot of uh, research, a lot of media work. So that's how I got into. Were you good at that, writing and research? I was not so much good at research. I got, <laughs> again, like, I don't know if it's the right side of my brain. It's like, eh, I don't think you want to do this. And the left side's like, yeah, yeah, or whatever it might be. But I think um, I, I think for the first few um, years of high school, I realized too that I could do anything if I applied my mind to it. Come on, girl. But, and then eventually when, when who you are comes out, excuse the pun, when who you are comes out or the truth of who you are comes out, it's like, well, you can do it, but you have a power of choice now. Do you want to do that? Mm. And I think that's the, the shifting point for me. I'm like, well, you know, if I applied myself to science, because I was getting A's in science in seventh grade. In eighth grade, I'm like, I can't be bothered anymore. This is not, yeah. not, not my jam. Like, I think the practicality kicked in. It was like, well, if you're not going to be doing this for the rest of your life, why apply yourself now? So that's when I moved over to the arts and things started to resonate with expression and, you know, who I could be and, you know, a platform and all these sorts of things were kind of coming into fruition. But uh, the writing part of it, um, I think for me, you know, when doing so much of it at university kind of got me into that script writing, but, you know, I was reading scripts every day for theatre. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, um, it didn't, wasn't a struggle for me to write then, but it's when I got into radio that I thought, hey, this is such an amazing platform to have genuine conversations with people because this is authentic when you're having a conversation with someone. It's not like you're on stage where you're talking at someone and putting on a performance. It's about being really you. So that's what I really liked about, um, I guess that part of my journey, because I really got to try a few things and be like, no, no, this is what I really, really want to do. What was it about that field specifically, like art and theater and performance that, what was it about that, that the Dr. Rao and all the other things he thought you were going to be didn't have? What was it? It was, I guess it was the excitement. I, I knew that, you know, stability wise, you know, I, I heard stories in my family, like, you know, an actor is right. not going to make that much money unless you make it big time but you know if you can do it do it I think for me it was just I was just having lots of fun um and I really enjoyed what I do and I think 
then like I realize this now, this is why I think happiness should be your North Star, like for anything. Mm. I think growing up in an immigrant family, it's more so survival and not so much stature, but survival and, you know, having a better life than the previous generation. I think that is kind of the mentality. Like, oh, we've got all these properties, which you can inherit now, pass this onto your children, vice versa. But happiness is really left out of the equation. And I think that's the that's I think as humans that's our birthright you know we should yeah. we should have that happiness and I think that's what we should aim for so um again it was the joy Heather like the joy of being on stage the joy of being able to laugh and act with people and have conversations because yeah. you know that's that's what life's about really amen amen so you move out of <laughs> university and did you get a you said joy was the name of the the radio station? Yeah. Joy was the name, name of the radio station. Ironically, yeah, it was called Joy. So um, Joy, I stumbled across it online. They were offering a radio course and I put my hand up for it and was thankful to get in because that was what kind of planted the seed to to the podcasting route too. So I remember I said to my program director, I don't want to get behind the microphone. And she's like, I think you've got a little bit too much personality. We need to bring that out a little bit. So I, I started doing the graveyard shift from 11 to 1 a.m. And then I moved into the morning show and the drive shows and the afternoon shows. And I just loved being behind the microphone. <laughs> yeah. What did you love about it? I love the fact that, you know, it, I mean, I was just pretty much spinning music and talking in between, but I love <laughs> the fact that I could come in, make a joke and then leave. It was like a, if, if this is theater, <laughs> it'd be like, yeah, I'd come on stage, make a joke, and then run off. It was quite amusing doing that. But also the people that I was able to connect with, I think, one of the skills that I learned in radio, which I think is such an important skill for life and podcasting yeah. is listening. I think so much of us, like I say listening and people are like, oh yeah, I can listen. That's, that's a pretty easy thing to do. It's actually quite a difficult thing to do because when we listen to people, I think we already sometimes have dialogue in our head and humans as we are, we attach meaning to words and tone and everything like that. So someone could be trying to tell you something for you to be in the capacity to hear them is quite a difficult place to be sometimes Mm. because someone could say to you, um, why haven't you done the vacuuming? I could hear it as you're a lazy person. Why haven't you done anything? That's not actually what they said. They asked me why I didn't do the vacuuming, but I guess listening it, it, doing those radio shows, talking to those people. I've interviewed nearly, I think, a thousand people at the moment. You really do hone in on your skill of listening. Like you really do li- hear what the other person has to say. And it's difficult sometimes, but it's it's one of the most rewarding skills if you can develop it um, in life, I reckon. I'm going to ask you a selfish question. This is so Go selfish. You said you've interviewed a thousand people. I think I'm a little over 200. I would love. I would love to know... Your biggest tip on interviewing for someone who's brown where I'm at, where you're comfortable with people, you're talking, where, how can you go to the next level in your interview game? I think there's two things, Heather, and okay. this is what I found in radio. You got to do something for the guest that makes you unforgettable. Um, in the ter- in terms of, I know that sounds really selfish too in the response that I give you, but the fact that um, you know, the fact I will always remember you as the, the podcaster who does unconventional leaders. So if I come across anyone, I'll be like, oh, you need to speak to Heather. So I'll, I'll remember that. One thing that I did in radio and a couple of my co-hosts did was when we interviewed a guest, and I think um, in my show, Real pa- in the Paula Abdul interview, we do this for her. We pretty much do an introduction where we incorporated her entire back catalogue of songs. So we had a conversation introducing her 
but we put her entire back catalog song. So it's like a conversation like, oh, yeah, opposites attract, blah, blah, blah. We were just talking and Paula was just literally cracking up um, as we, it just warmed her up really nicely and it just made her feel like, all right, these guys have done their research. This is really creative. This is unexpected. And it just, I think that interview went really well because she was so chill. And I think she was going to be chill anyway, but it just gave her that additional factor of, okay, we care. That's so genius. I think that's one thing. Sorry, you're going to say. I said that was genius. It's so genius. <laughs> I have to give that credit to uh, my co-host, Adam Barillet. He he thought <laughs> of that. I'm like, that is, that's a great idea. And generally the guest is so flattered or like, okay, you have a lot of time on your hands, but it's a positive reaction. <laughs> um, that's one thing. I think the other thing too, like I mentioned, Heather, is just really listening. Um, yeah. And I know, again, that sounds so simple, but uh, I think Oprah said this too with the, I don't know how many people she's interviewed. It's definitely more than, than you and me put together, I know. Mm-hmm. But she um, said that she interviewed Obama, Beyonce, you know, like Serena Williams, whoever it may be. I don't know if she's interviewed Serena, but mm-hmm. I just I figured she would have. Mm-hmm. But one thing that the guest does say afterwards is like, was that okay? Was that okay? And what they're actually trying to say is, did you hear me? Did you hear me? So really listen to what they're saying and give them something that is very unique from you that they can take away and be like, that was pretty memorable. I got chills. That was a good one. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? That's so good. Uh, You just mentioned you've, you've interviewed celebrities. How did you go from a late night you have like the late night graveyard shift to interviewing celebrities where where did that come from um that was pretty much as a result of being on a prime time slot um on a radio mm-hmm. station so while i was doing the graveyard shift i did get to interview some pretty cool people i interviewed some cool bands um in australia cool. at the time it was all about that hustle mind you i was doing all these radio shows for free and it's I'm, it's been the biggest investment in my life to do that because eventually it does pay off. It's Gary Vee talks a lot about hustle and hard work. Yeah. Radio for me was the hustle and the hard work, getting so up at 4 a.m. You were doing that free. What were you doing to make money? I had a full-time job at the time. So I had like coordinated jobs. I, I worked in con- like aerospace construction. I worked in account management. I did all sorts of careers on the side, my day job. But this was what I knew I loved doing. I didn't quite understand what it was like. Like, this is the thing with me, Heather. Sometimes I, I'm more of a person. I think we spoke about this off air. I'm more of a person who does. And then eventually I'll figure it out up here. But I need to be in action because it's the only way that I can be like, okay, I did that. And I reflect that way afterwards. And I realized that very late in life, like in my late 20s, I'm like, oh, that's who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. I got you now. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to do it. I think that's why things have sped up for me the past three to five years of, of my business and stuff. But I am very much a doer. So when I realized that looking back, I was doing radio because I loved it so much. I was getting up at four, was not complaining, going into the station, doing the morning show. Sometimes I'd come off night shift and go straight into the radio station. I just loved it so much. Wow. You don't do that if you don't love something. And eventually it was a universe saying to me, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. I really want you to focus on this. So I just kept doing it and doing it. So how I got to interview the celebrities was as a result of being on a morning show, a lot of the you know, primetime networks or the celebrities, like we want to get on the primetime spot. That's why you see like, you know, the breakfast club here in America has a lot of the celebs because it's a primetime spot. So that's how I got to connect. And it's also, you know, putting in the work, like following up with PR people, talking to them, sending them the links, doing the edit for the podcast. Like it wasn't as easy back then 
to kind of rip off the audio off the radio log, edit the podcast, pop it out. It, it was, it wasn't I can't imagine. now. I mean, it's still difficult now, but it still has its challenges now, I should say, but it wasn't easy. So you had to really put in the time and work. So I think that's kind of how I made the shift. And once you get one person on your show, you know, you kind of use that as your, I guess your resume to, to get other guests and you build a reputation afterwards after you yeah. do that, if you put in that consistent work. So and yeah, that's many, kind of how it happened. How many years was that of like you starting, you hustling, you grinding to you seeing results? Well, I started radio when I was 20 and I wrapped up just after my 30th birthday. So it was very much, it was on and off, but I was only off for a few years. Like it was about, I think one and a half years I was off, but I kept coming back, coming back, just creating and being in that space because it's what I loved. Yeah. Um, but I think even though it was like once a week or twice a week I had the radio show or whatnot, it was still that constant following up, researching, reaching out. So putting those 10 years on and off, those hours, two hours, five hours a week that I did, it was probably very slow. I'd prob- I'm a lot quicker at things now, but I think for me that was the only way that I had to do it. I had to really kind of test things along and over time it, the value was amazing. Yeah. And you ended up transitioning into podcasting. You found a love for podcasting. You moved over to New York and now are leading a media company, helping people with their podcast. What was the transition there where you're like, because radio was going well for you. I mean, the station was doing well. You guys were getting recognized. You were in a good spot. Why did you make the switch into moving here and starting this media company? I, off the back of the radio show, I started a podcast called The Ginny Show. Okay. <laughs> and what happened was I noticed there was a, Australia with podcasting, it hasn't reached its peak yet, I don't believe. It's, I think the, the last step that I saw was about under 20% of people listen to podcasts regularly in Australia. I'm sure that's increasing. I'm sure that's updated since the last time I read it. America, I believe, we're up to 71% mm-hmm. of people that have at least listened to a podcast in the in the past month. Yep. So it's quite it's considerably high when you compare it to Australia. Right. So I knew that we were heading in that direction purely because also we were looking at our stats. And this was back from 2007 when I had that morning show. We were getting a lot of downloads as opposed to listens in real time. What that was telling me was people are listening to us when they feel it's convenient, not when they're told to. It kind of gives that empowerment to the listener and you're thinking, okay, and that's how podcasting now has has kind of evolved. Like we listen on our own time. So I thought, all right, I'm going to actually try and do this podcast. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to figure out everything as I go along. And I wanted to do a show that was, not so radio centric. Now, when you do a morning show, you have to put your news on, you do the traffic, you do the weather, you do headlines. There are some mandatory staples or mandatory things that you have to include in your in your conversation or your actual show. But I wanted to do a show that was kind of free from that where I could kind of go, you know, helpful leather on my creativity. So that's when the Ginny Show was born. And I did the Ginny Show for a year and it got nominated for two awards, which I was really, really um, stoked by because I'm like, oh, wow, I'm doing something right. This is great. So I was a finalist in the Australian Podcast Awards in the comedy category. And I got nominated for um, Broadcaster and Presenter of the Year at the Australian LGBTI Awards. So that kind of, (laughs) thank you. It made me look a little bit more important than I was. So people were like, hey. Hey, um, can you show me what you did with your podcast? It's really yeah. funny. And, you know, it, it, you got recognized. And that's kind of how I fell into it. I was working my day job. I was working um, 
from an aerospace construction company. I was building airplane wings during the wow. day. And in the evening, I'd get home at 11.30 midnight and I'd start doing my producer stuff. I'd go to bed by two and up and at it again. So eventually I built up a decent, I built up about five or six clients, which was enough for me to go, okay, I'm ready to move to New York because a lot of those clients were New York based as well. And um, one key thing I did leave out in that whole long story, Heather, is I also fell in love with a New Yorker. So it, it kind of was all aligned perfectly that's a big part that is a very big part so I fell in love with New York and then a New Yorker so she's number two after New York (laughs) hopefully she doesn't listen to this she'll be like hey but um that's kind of what what happened (laughs) so tell me how in in the midst of all this which you know as entrepreneurs leaders unconventional leaders we just celebrate this we're like yeah girl go after it do it you know you know, burn that ship, try, try new things. But the regular world, regular folks, they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You have, you know, all this stability and you, you lean into something that's unstable, something that you don't know is going to work. Did you yeah. have to explain yourself to people? Was there kind of resistance to this, these paths that you were taking? Absolutely. The air, uh, the airplane construction job I was doing at the time, um, I had a family member work there and it's a great job. Like it paid well, low stress. I could leave work at work, which is very important for me at the time. Cause you know, I didn't want to take work home with me. I had a terrible corporate job before, which I did not like. And I had to take work home with me. I had no work-life balance. I'm obviously a very different person I am now than I was back yeah. then. So the, this other job was just perfect for me. And it's a great place to work if, you know, if, if you want to earn good money and, you know, want to leave your work at work, it's great that way. But I wanted more, Heather. And that's where yeah. my crazy kicks in. So I was trying to explain to, you know, family members, this is what I want to do. And sometimes they still ask me, what is it that you do? What is it that you do? <laughs> so I make a joke and say, I sell radios. And they don't really say much. They're like, okay, you sell radios. I know that's not what I you do, it. but I'm just like, I'm just joshing them because I don't expect them to understand. And I'm not yeah. doing that to be facetious or, you know, I'm not doing that to be cheeky or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I understand too that the way that they grew up, I have empathy for the fact of this is their dream and great if you're living their dream namaste like I'm happy for you but this is mine it may not look the same as yours but I think that my happiness doesn't have to look like your happiness but as long as we're both happy that's what matters right and I think that I did get a lot of questions and I think I bring up this example a lot and um it's not to say I am Oprah or anything like that but I say to people use Oprah as an example you know when she had that weather weather woman job when she was doing the weather for Chicago news, I believe it was mm-hmm. someone, I think a dad said to her, wow, $22,000 a year. Like you're not going to make that kind of money. I mean, can you believe, imagine if Oprah listened to that and stayed like Oprah would not be who she is today. She wouldn't have grown two into this billion net worth, two billion. Yes. Serving energy, but even her purpose of the amount of lives that she's touched yeah. and the amount of lives that yeah. she's changed, like her legacy would not be what it is. So I think People will only project to you what their versions of reality and happiness and success are. And it's on you to take that or imitate it or be influenced by it or to really figure out your own. Figuring out your own is a little bit difficult because you stumble a lot on the way, but it's very much worthwhile. 
<laughs> so good. So, so good. Where can people connect with you online? This has just flown by. You have a podcasting production company. If somebody's wanting to start their show or they're overwhelmed and they need help with their show, where can they connect with you? Absolutely. So you can connect with me at Ginny Media. So you can go to our website, GinnyMedia.com, but we're also available on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. So please do feel free to holler at me. I am generally the one to respond, if not one of my team members will, but eventually you will speak to me because we'll, we'll tee up a time awesome. with me. But if I can give you any advice or value on podcasting, I, I'd be happy to serve. And your show? My, my show is called The Ginny Show. I feel Ginny really show? narcissistic now. Heather. I like, love I'm it. Just I think it's awesome. <laughs> Too much of the, so the Ginny Show is actually returning at the end of this month. Um, we used to be daily, but we're going to three times a week. Yeah. So we're going to be back. And again, we are unpacking the definition of happy every mm. episode. So that's returning on all your favorite players. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Listen, our very last question, I would just love to know if, let's say you were to go back in time to your younger self right before all of this adventure happened, you're going into the university, you have this thought of what your life is going to look like. Everyone is telling you what your life is going to look like. Maybe you have a little bit of pressure of what your life is going to look like and you're walking into those school doors about to start this journey and have no idea what's about to happen, that you'd be sitting here in New York now doing what you're doing. If you're to go sit with that young girl for a moment and tell her one thing, what would you tell her? Oh, God. Gee, that's a very emotional question, Heather, when I think about it, because I haven't really thought about talk, because things have happened so fast, I haven't really thought about that. I would actually say for her to relax a little, I think we, everything seems so big in our teens and in our early 20s, because we haven't had consistent experience to yeah. tell us otherwise. Yeah. I would honestly say relax a little, but also say you're exactly where you're supposed to be and just know that that is true and that's all that matters now. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.